0: on local now channel 525
1: the views and opinions expressed by rob black and his guests are not necessarily those of kdow or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision hello 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 i'm rob black talking money investing and more thanks for listening to the show there's a lot going on out there today right i'll stumble for you I'll stumble for you. This market's looking like it's stumbling, right? Little boy George, shout out! China reported better than expected trade data for April. Up 12.9% year over year. Up 21.5% in imports. Those are spectacular, spectacular numbers. Comcast is reportedly planning a cash bid for the entertainment assets of 21st Century Fox explains why Disney stock hasn't gone up. Everyone's waiting for AT&T and Time Warner. Will they or will they not get together? Or will the Department of Justice break up the merger? Shire Pharmaceuticals has agreed to a $62 billion takeover offer from Takeda Health. Value Act has taken a $1.2 billion stake in Citigroup. Value Act is an activist shareholder company. I like Citigroup. It's a busy day for the El Presidente. He tweeted earlier that he's going to be having a call with China's President Xi Jinping to discuss trade in North Korea. Oil prices have been running higher recently. They've recently cooled off as we're trying to figure out if the U.S. is going to pull out of the deal with Iran on sanctions that were put into place in order to scale back nuclear ambition. So oil's playing with $70 a barrel. That's an ouch. That's an ouchy Heading into summer. Are you ready for the summer? I'm all ready for the summer. Just need me a little rama, A little cruel summer to get me there. Mm. A little beach voice does it too, but rama. I'm showing my age, or lack of age, on this one. So the 10-year treasury is something that we're paying a lot of attention to. And um, how does it march compared to the two-year note and the three-year note so we're paying a lot of attention to stuff right now we're, we're in a market that again is stealing from a bloated one we're stumbling we're bumbling we're like we're stumbling bumbling we're f- like we're going to oh the the market's not it's it's stumbling right now u.s employers post record high 6.6 million open jobs that's called the jolts report job openings you know they're there if you want to work say on an oil well platform you definitely could a friend of mine you know who worked in radio at one point in time he got to the point where he was kind of seeing the writing on the wall that management makes good money sales make some good money but the people who push the buttons don't necessarily he got a job on a boat On one of his boats floating around the world. So he's the communication officer of one of those. Right? So people quitting and finding jobs. Now is a great time to look for a job opening or look for a new job. U.S. employers advertise 6.6 million jobs open in March. So they're out there. So retail jobs. This has always been a big question as far as jobs go. What type of jobs do we as a nation want? And I'm not smart enough to host that conversation. But I remember working at the post office in college because I could work from midnight to like 3 a.m. And, uh, you know, I was was pulling and sorting packages and throwing them in. Could a robot do that better than me? Sure. Um, With Amazon, I ordered a, a Vitamixer. Can a robot go out and find that faster than a human at a factory floor and and put it in a box and send it to me? Yeah. There's something called the Conference Board, which is one of those, damn, do we got too many institutions in this world or what? Yeah, we do. But the Conference Board is looking at jobs data from 2005, and they're thinking that the growth in e-commerce jobs is not going to make up for the uh, jobs lost in the brick and mortar. And I kind of agree with that, right? So, if the trend continues, you know we're we're losing in retail what we're replacing in in packaging each percentage point of e-commerce at you know present generates less work than each percentage point of in store retail so the transition to a consumer nation that absolutely loves amazon's two day trial uh, delivery system, the job loss in the retail industry to manufacturing in the 1990s. You know, in the 1990s, we saw... Well, in the 1980s, you saw Laverne and Shirley, and they were working at a beer factory, right? And then the 80s and 90s, you started seeing a robot do the same thing as far as putting caps on bottles and pushing things through. So even though Amazon's hiring a lot right now, it's not really, really bleeding into the overall economy because what we're losing in retail... You know we're gaining in uh, manufacturing and uh, commerce. So, uh, but yeah, the 1990s. Remember the movie, uh, uh, the Japanese gung ho, and they could build cars better than us. And uh, they came over, and we we learned that we could play softball and drink beer and eat pizza better than them. But when we got them a little drunk, boy was everyone happy. So gung ho, not a, a real movie biography. But still, it says a lot about what was going on. Like I said earlier in the show, when homeownership is, you know, people think home ownership's going to go up 65%, 66%. The highest number that it's ever been at was 70%, and that's when it crashed. So sometimes I'm going to teach you little things here and there that are just subtle. But it's a better way of looking at things financially speaking. So, Fox, by the way, is jumping after a report that Comcast is preparing to battle Disney for a mega deal. Um, Time Warner owns HBO, which some people could say, why don't you split it off and make it like a, a Netflix? Good question. Disney owns all the Disney films and the Avenger films, which, the, that latest Avenger film, holy mackerel. Did you see that ending coming? Did you? Can I tell? Can I, Is it too soon? Can I tell everyone yet? Behave yourself. I'm gonna behave myself. Spoiler alert: they all die. Okay, that's not the spoiler, but um, that, that's my spoil. That was my spoiler alert for the Titanic. They're gonna hit an ice cube and go down. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about? We can talk about money investing and more. Um, the Iran nuclear deal is the story of the day. Nancy Pelosi says she's fine with Democrat candidates opposing her. She says I'm all for winning. Um, she's not terribly well liked for by Wall Street as far as what she would accomplish or not accomplish. And when she was Speaker of the House some of the first two years of Obama, a lot of people think that's the time when Democrats were squabbling instead of working together. The electric scooter deluge is dividing San Francisco. Yep, that's what we're for, yelling at each other about here. You can find me online on Lana, Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz.
0: And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7.
1: We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about what to do when your financial aid doesn't get you far enough in college. Do you take on debt? Do you not? Big question, right? What do you do when your girlfriend gets pregnant and it's like the game of life, spin the dial. Go straight to jail. (laughs) Oh, that's never a good thing. So, um, yeah, yeah. Frontier adds two cities to its nine-route expansion. Do you fly Frontier? If you do, that's good news. If not, maybe Norfolk or Denver or Norfolk or Orlando or maybe one of these markets they're getting into will help you. Just to keep competition a little bit lower, a little bit higher. Keep competition a little bit higher, keep prices a little bit lower. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. He's going to talk a little financial planning and long-term care, which is something, quite honestly, that my mother's involved with, right? She can't take care of herself. She kind of can a little bit, but not fully. Long-term care, I will tell you, is not
0: cheap. Chad? One of the things I said I'd talk about today is long-term care insurance. And this is something that... You know, when I first got into the business in the early 90s, I started with my grandfather and he had, you know, he was in his mid 60s. So his clients were even older than him. I started to see people all the time go into nursing homes and it was tough. I'd get calls and usually it was from the the wife and they'd say, you know, my husband's gone into a nursing home or my husband needs to go into a nursing home, but we can't afford it. What do we do? Um, oftentimes too, we see caregiving situations where, and I see this the most with the spouse ends up taking care of the husband. Husband health starts to fail sooner. The the spouse, the wife is taking care of the husband and her health and her lack of balance in life, lack of being able to do anything else but be in that caretaking situation. Her health falls much quicker and and sometimes they she passes away even before the husband. So you got to plan for this some cultures, the kids are taking care of the parents. It's not really happening in our culture these days. So, long-term care insurance became popular, and then companies came in and they drastically underpriced it. Now, they're raising their rates left and right. So, what do you do? Should you even buy the long-term care insurance? Uh, I had a question from somebody at the event last Thursday, and her daughter is working at a company that's actually offering long-term care insurance, but it's the parents can also get it through the group plan. And when you there's there's good things to get through group plans at your company. That's disability insurance and in this case long-term care insurance cuz the rates are usually cheaper. Life insurance you are usually much better off getting on your own. But the group long-term care insurance, this is a a lady who asked the question. She said, I fought breast cancer 4 or 5 years ago. I don't think I can get long-term care insurance on my own. The only problem is that it was through Genworth. That's the company that's offering the long-term care insurance, and that's a company that's not doing so hot. If you have bought long-term care insurance on your own, you've seen rate increases several times since you owned it. Not a lot of rate increases on group plans yet, so we'll see. I had another question from... Uh, let's see. I've got the last name here, so I won't say that. But let's just... Call him Bill for now. Uh, my workplace makes long-term care insurance available through group coverage, Genworth. It's portable if I leave the company. My wife and I are over 40, me closer to 50. She currently works, but will stop soon. We have two young kids, possibly one more. We have many years of fiscal responsibility in our lives and a minivan. I love that. It just shows you where they're at in life, right? We have a comfortable amount saved living in the Bay Area. I just don't understand the economics of long-term care insurance. Should I get it? Should my wife? When should we start? Do I pay extra to have it increase at 3 to 5% annually, or just get more coverage? The company says it generally doesn't increase rates. It only did once for historically underfunded early insurance. Um, also, the rest of my insurance, life, disability, etc., are currently through work. It's a good question. It's a question that a lot of people have is like, when do I start shopping for it? Especially if you have a situation where you had to care for your parents or in my case, I saw my mom leave work for about three years in order to care for my grandparents as my grandfather was going through a kidney failure and on dialysis. We were taking turns taking them dialysis all the time. And then shortly after he passed, my grandmother went into memory care. And even though she was in a facility, A memory care facility, it was still almost a full-time job for my mom to keep an eye on it, making sure she had the meds and the other things that she still have to get and pay for that the facility doesn't necessarily offer. And the Bay Area, those costs are running at close to $100,000 a year. And that is something that most people can't afford. And not only could your parents probably not afford it, you can't afford to take the time off to do the things that you need to do to help them out. It's a tough situation on everybody. It's that sandwich Situation. Um, so, what do you do? Do you look at it? Usually, I'd say age 55 to start looking at it is the right age.
1: And I'm Rob Black talking money investing in more. One of the more interesting things of talking about long term care is you never think you're going to need it. But when you do, it's very, very expensive. It's just like I saw a statistic year over year pedestrian fatalities are climbing, skyrocketing, up 46% since 2009. And it's far outpacing growth in overall traffic, which, again, you've probably heard about a couple of planes having problems up in the sky. That's going to happen more and more because the volume of planes flying is increasing. So you're going to hear about it more and you're going to think, man, I don't remember all these planes having problems when I was a kid. It was a lot fewer planes. But almost 6,000 pedestrians, people who might have been out for a walk, people who might have been trying to burn off a little bit of lunch. Trying to cross a street quickly to get to work. 6,000 pedestrians were killed by motor vehicles. Now, what do you think your reason is? You know, that's almost twice the number of deaths tied directly to September 11th. Number of pedestrians on the road uh, killed. And it's climbing. It's it's In the United States, it's, it's all-time high. Some people would probably say texting while driving is a problem. Marijuana legalization could potential right could just be a lot of distractions you can find me online at rob black show twitter rob black show youtube rob black show find me online at robblackshow.com. want the podcast with music find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to rob black's twitter his handle is at rob black show listen to rob black and your money weekday mornings 7 to 9 on am 1220 kdow Are you ready to buy an electric car? Yes, no, maybe so. More Americans becoming charged up. About electric cars. A new AAA survey finds 20% of Americans say their next vehicle will be an electric car. Huh. it's particularly good news for Tesla as the company ramps up production of its first mass market electric car, the Model 3. It bodes well for General Motors, which offers a mid priced long-range electric car, the Chevy Bolt and Nissan, with its LEAF. One big reason why we're finally ready to buy electric cars, 20%, Americans say their next car will be uh, electric, is because as a nation, we finally feel comfortable we're not going to go far enough. Electric cars have a lot fewer moving prices, uh, parts and that's also a good thing because maintenance costs are lower so charging times are still a little bit of a a nightmare headache for the car industry electric car industry industry 68 percent think that no more than 30 minutes of charge time would be reasonable while they're out and about so people have an opinion you know one thing that i'm always interested in is sharks no not sharks Uh, One thing that I'm always interested in is kind of people's misconceptions. They differ like golden clay. Uh, Misconception, misperception, miscommunication. Fidelity thinks that a healthy 65-year-old couple retiring this year is going to need $280,000 to cover their health care costs in retirement. Interesting to note. $280,000. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare. Are you going to make the assumption that you don't need a lot of health care in retirement because you're healthy and good-looking and and young? Or are you going to assume that you might be like your
2: parents and visit the doctor a little bit more? Yeah, I'm going to make the assumption that uh, you know I'll need plenty of money in, in retirement to, to cover health care costs.
1: <laughs> it's, it's one area of financial planning that people just forget, because for some reason we grew up in a nation where we thought health care was free in retirement. but. Very very expensive. Anyway, um, stock markets. What do you make of the the recent action? It feels like lower highs. Feels like we're ready for a pullback.
2: Yeah, you know, I think we're we're just stuck, Rob. I mean, we are in uh, you know just in a tight trading range. Um, and I think it's uh, partly owed to the fact that you have a lot of you know market participants recognizing that the first quarter you know earnings reporting period has been terrific. You know we have first quarter earnings growth up uh, over 24 percent. That's the best quarter since uh, the third quarter of 2010. And yet you've got a stock market that has basically done nothing throughout uh, the first quarter reporting period. Uh, we're almost. I mean we're essentially right where we were. Uh, uh, when J P Morgan reported its results uh, before the open on April thirteenth and I think that that 's just got a lot of people you know questioning you know you know what happens now if we can 't get a market to break out on such strong earnings growth and and because they 're you know ruminating over that idea, it kind of allows for some um, thought creep, if you will, in terms of all the things that could go bad that could upset this market. And so there's a kind of a litany or a menu of some uh, some concerns out there that I think are just kind of keeping the market range-bound here.
1: How long can we go range-bound, in your opinion? Could we go range-bound for a year, three months? Because I'm feeling like I could use a brand new all-time high, and I don't want to lose patience. <laughs>
2: Well, I think we could absolutely stay range-bound for you know for a year. Um, you know what people need to take into account is we have obviously had such a had a terrific run off those 2009 lows. Um, a lot of years with double-digit you know returns just on the, the price index alone, and then you add dividends to that, and it's even better. So, um, you know, right now you've got a market that's trading. Pretty much in line with a with a five year uh, historical average PE multiple, and and you've got a market uh, as we've discussed in past weeks that's you know contemplating uh, the idea that we're at some important inflection points with respect to interest rates, with respect to monetary policy, you know, with respect to inflation, with respect to uh, the pace of earnings growth, and and so it does take a little time to kind of figure out, letting the data come in and, and figure out you know. Okay where things are ultimately going to trend and so, so you have this, this sideways action which uh, you know technical analysts would refer to you know really as a consolidation period uh, that you know there's nothing necessarily wrong with it You're taking some time to digest those really strong gains that have been registered in prior years here uh, and everyone's kind of you know taking a step back and, and maybe taking a little up, uh, money off the table off of some of those big movers um, but uh, you know and recognizing that uh, the path of least resistance for interest rates now is most likely higher and not and not lower, and um, kind of just want to see how things settle out in, in that type of environment
1: it 's been my history doing this show for twenty plus years that federal reserves basically cause all recessions by moving interest rates higher we 're in, in, in an interest rate environment where the Federal Reserve is moving interest rates higher. Do you think this leads to a recession? Um, or could it be a shadow recession where it 's not as bad as we think it is but it 's healthy nonetheless um, is the red is the Fed taking us down the right road
2: well i would I would you know cast my judgment you know based on uh, the shape of the yield curve right now uh, where you see a, a narrowing spread between the, the two year note and the ten year note uh, stands at just you know forty five basis points right now and you know, and uh, historical data has shown that when you go below 50 basis points on that spread and you stay below 50 basis points, uh, you, you tend to get a an inverted yield curve. And, and every recession, you know, since 1980 has been preceded by an inverted yield curve. So that's an important dynamic to watch. And, and really what I think it suggests right now is, is some concern or, or a knowingness by the market that the Fed is, is going to continue to raise interest rates. And so you're seeing yields at the front end of the curve move up on that assumption. Uh, But the fact that, you know, while 10-year yields have been creeping higher as well, um, you know, they're not... Necessarily taking off because I think there's also an assumption that the Fed's interest rate actions are going to, if nothing else, act as a real headwind on uh, the drive for escape velocity here. And uh, and and if you're not going to get that strong pickup in growth, then presumably you're not going to see inflation take off either. And I think that that's you know um, also factoring into the uh, to you know the the narrowing the. Of the curve, and so, uh, and then on top of it, uh, you have also this this dynamic which has been in existence for a while, which is the interest rate differential trade, which kind of clouds everyone's vision of what the the back end of the Treasury curve is really suggesting. But when you've got the central bank in the United States saying we're going to keep raising interest rates, basically for all intents and purposes, and you have the ECB and the Bank of Japan uh, both saying you know we're going to kind of stay stay put for a while. Um, You you have money chasing higher returns, uh, and those higher returns can be had here in risk-free instruments within the United States. And and as you get that foreign demand coming in, uh, it does help uh, hold down long-term interest rates. Uh, So some interesting trading dynamics there as it relates to the Treasury market, but something to definitely keep a close watch on given the the historical precedence of what a a flattening yield curve could ultimately mean for the economic outlook. Mm -hmm.
1: Pretty interesting times, to say the least. We have the president announcing how he's going to handle Iran. Um, He's going to stay in the sanctions, get away from the sanctions, work together, work against each other. Um, But we also have an election season coming up um, really soon. Are you you surprised, or what's your thought on how politics is playing in Wall
2: Street right now? Uh, You know, I I think it's it's kind of one of those convenient Headline excuses uh, for the market right now. Um, it is it's more of a psychological factor that uh, it does I do think contributes to a lack of buying conviction. Uh, the notion that you'll get a pickup in political rancor or political populism as the midterm campaigning season starts to heat up. Because you know in front of elections you typically get a lot of uh, you know tough talk as it relates to things like drug prices and, and bringing down healthcare costs and how that you know can then have a negative impact on the healthcare sector and the way that it trades. Um, you oftentimes get tough talk, you know, surrounding the need to rein in big banks. Uh, and, you know, that can weigh on the financial mm-hmm. sector. So um, so it's out there. I think it's something that the market does pay attention to. But really, at the end of the day, I think that, that what the market's main concern is is primarily, um, you know, what's going to happen with interest rates and, and this uh, this festering sense that, you know, interest rates should be moving higher and will be moving higher and, and how that's going to ultimately act as a headwind for earnings growth as companies, you know, carrying higher debt loads face higher interest costs uh, and, and how, you know, consumers could be impacted by higher debt repayment burdens and, and thereby, you know, leading to perhaps, you know, Lower levels of consumer spending, and so, so there's a lot born out of that idea. Um, and, but, but really, at the end of the day, I think that it's the interest rate factor that is the main um, catalyst for the market to move up or down or sideways, as we've been seeing right now.
1: Sideways is not always down. It's Mr. Patrick O'Hare. You can find him at briefing.com. I start my morning each and every morning reading his page one commentary. His big picture comes out on Fridays, but his stuff is such a small part of Briefing.com. You should really check out the site because there's things that I don't do, like IPOs, that they do quite nicely. The next big thing, you can find them at Briefing.com. That's Briefing.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Kick my shoes off and run, run, run. I could so do this. I got this. Let me do it, Mom. Mom, let me do it. I got this, Mom. Comcast and Fox are fighting each other for control of Sky TV as well as uh, Disney. And Disney wants 21st Century Fox's assets and Time Warner and AT&T. But Comcast wants to step in. and They're all kind of waiting to see what happens with... Comcast and or Time Warner and AT&T, does that go through? Time Warner's got some awesome awesome content with HBO and Game of Thrones and Sopranos and Sex in the City and 6 Feet Under. Um you think about all those great shows and they were they were Netflix before Netflix. Now you can get it all online. But these guys are all going to fight each other. It's kind of awesome. Kind of like to me media companies fighting. But they kind of create a situation where it it pushes values higher. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Homeowners are bullish on prices. In a recent survey, 64% say they're anticipating an increase in property values during the next year. To me, that's all going to depend on interest rates and the job market. It's the highest share of people who think real estate's going to go higher since the mid-2000s. When 70% of people were thinking things are going to soar, higher and higher, straight up we'll fly. Remember? Remember Van Halen? It will go higher and higher? Well, okay, so this story has a lot of doom and gloom in it. In the mid-2000s, we were about to have a real estate crash, and we thought it was going to go higher and higher. 70% of people were predicting that we were going to go higher and higher. Now we're, we're starting to hit close to those peaks again. Not quite, but 64% say they're anticipating an increase in property values in next year. Optimism depends on where you live, and optimism is a bad thing here. That's what I'm going to try to get the point across. You don't want to go higher and higher. Nearly 80% of Americans in the West forecast a pricier real estate market in the next year. Are they right? Probably. People buying homes with cash is crazy. It's cray-cray. People are very positive, and as home prices go up, people want to be in it because it's other people's money, OPM. Yeah, you know me. I'm OPM. But the same thing could be done on stocks if you really, really wanted it. 45% of non-homeowners, so they plan to buy a house in the next five years. Just 22% of homeowners anticipate selling. That's the supply and demand issue. That's the damnation game. That's the problem. Notice we haven't been doing Bitcoin stories on a regular basis here anymore. The fall of the cryptocurrency Bitcoin for much 2018 is no coincidence. We kind of started at the end of 2017, start thinking, like, how can we go long this? How can we go short this? What are some other ideas other than just saying, whoa, we like it? And then we start realizing that people like Bill Gates are right. It doesn't really create value. So what are we going to do with it? So we said, let's let's give people the right to sell it as well as the right to buy it, the right to short it as well as the right to go long it. So the New York Stock Exchange right now is working on an online trading platform that would allow a large investor to buy and hold Bitcoin after Bitcoin was kind of got some public endorsement from Goldman Sachs. So... A little bit of self-fulfilling prophecy has gone on and kind of hit Bitcoin where the where it hurts. So other stories of note, President Trump's going to reveal what he thinks about Iran and the sanctions that have been put against them already in place. And that's a big thing. Um, Obama's sanctions were, were a little bit stickier. And the whole world's going to look at Trump and say, what do you think? Come on. I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. He's going to tell us at the time. So oil has been moving higher and higher. Straight up, it'll fly. It's, it's, it's literally the Van Halen song that could be used again. again, again. You just keep it running, right? So oil <clears throat> is getting a little bit cooler today. I had an announcement by the U.S. on reimposing sanctions on Iran. So, oil kind of can be found in its sweet spot in the Middle East, and so can Iran and Iraq and Saudi Arabia. So, anytime there's tensions there, there's tensions everywhere. Because if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. It's up to you. Um, Not a big fan. Not a big fan. So, just FYI, I'm not a big fan of the So That's
2: That's terrible.
1: Google helped move more things than just TV commercials with YouTube. Now it kind of wants to move you around with, with Waze. Now YouTube, I saw, has 1.8 billion eyeballs on it on a regular basis, just like Facebook does. I think Google is a steal. at a, I mean, Now I'm not going to say a steal. I think Google's very interesting in price right here. Um, so Google bought Waze back in 2013 for a billion dollars. They kind of stopped another company from buying them. Waze pitches its ads and measurable and actionable calls to action while you're driving around. You could pitch an ad for $2 per day in one location. So Waze is starting to come out and show us how they're making money. And there's just a wealth of, of profile and data on you. So next time you're on Waze and it pushes up Dunkin' Donuts, Google might know you're fat, hungry, and on the way home from work. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.